Welcome to Shorties, a short true crime story. Hello. Hello there. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm tired. I I have a sugar high and I'm starting to crash. I had some gelato. I treated myself to a little sweet sweet something. A little sweet something. And I'm like a little kid where if I have any sort of sugar, I get very excited and then I crash very hard. And I'm crashing hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just meant I'm tired because it's Friday. <laughs> oh, you didn't have a sweet treat that you're crashing from? <laughs> no, I did eat several donuts today. But that I don't, could be it. <laughs> I don't crash from that, I don't think. I think I'm just tired from the week. You're saying you're a normal adult? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't even have sugar past like four. You know, you know how it goes. So today I am covering the story of Jasmine Richardson and Jeremy Stanky, also known as the Richardson Family Murders. Okay. Mark, Deborah, Jasmine, and Tyler Richardson lived in Medicine Hat, Alberta, And everyone that knew the Richardsons said that they were the kind of family that was just genuinely happy. The parents had been married for 15 years. They were in love and amazing parents. Their kids, Jasmine and Tyler, were very protective of each other and had a very sweet and close relationship. And they weren't the kind of family that's like the perfect on paper and then had some really dark skeletons in the closet kind. Mm -hmm. They were just legitimately very happy and solid and loving. The parents, Mark and Deborah, were both addicts before having kids. Mark struggled heavily with hard drugs, but very successfully went through an addiction recovery program where he would eventually meet his future wife. They both completely turned their lives around and were a very strong support system for each other. They became very spiritual and lived healthy, sober lives before having Jasmine and Tyler. Deborah had this contagious energy about her. She was perky and upbeat and known for her massive smile that took over her entire face. She was very into holistic healing and Reiki and was planning on teaching classes out of her home. She was also very interested in Wicca and loved including her daughter in all of her hobbies and interests. So everything about her was open-minded and understanding. I love her. I know. She sounds phenomenal. Her husband, Mark, was a technician in the oil and gas industry. He was an attentive father and described as a bear of a man. One of their former neighbors, Bob Gordon, stated, They were the family that we all wish we had. Deborah was the cement who built a pleasant, happy home, and Mark's only plan in life was to do right by his family. I lived vicariously through those parents and really admire their devotion to family. Another neighbor said that they reminded them of a Norman Rockwell family. Jasmine Richardson was 11 years old when this story begins. There are multiple times throughout the story where you're going to have to stop and remind yourself that she is 11 years old. She is an actual baby in sixth grade. Okay. Jasmine started out like a normal kid. She was social and friendly. She was close to her family and absolutely adored her younger brother. Classmates described Jasmine as understanding, outgoing, kind, and gentle. She was the type of girl that included everyone. She wanted everyone around her to feel welcome. Then seemingly out of nowhere, things started to shift. It started with smaller things like wardrobe and appearance Jasmine started dressing in all black and rocking the heavy eyeliner. Eventually, dog collars, chains, spikes got added into the mix as well. She was just drawn to all things goth. Mm, okay. Which is which is awesome. But yeah. when the skirt starts getting shorter and her once bubbly, smiley personality morphed into being angsty and withdrawn, it's, it was very concerning behavior for an 11-year-old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's 11. She's oh. 11. You forget. Yeah. And you're going to continue to forget. That seems too young. <laughs> yeah. On August 27th, 2005, 
Jasmine joined a site called mindviz.com as well as vampirefreaks.com. Her Vampire user- <laughs> I know. Were you on that, Ash? No. Were you? No, Ashley. <laughs> no. I carried a briefcase, Ash. <laughs> Her username on Vampire Freaks was XKillerKittyX. Oh. She eventually joined Zorpia.com under the username Runaway Devil. The persona that she created online was very emo, very mysterious, very angsty. All of her bios talked about liking death, blood, Marilyn Manson, criminal psychology, human anatomy, and kinky shit. Oh. She's 11, once again. She described herself as a Wiccan, nocturnal, awkward, and insane. I saw some of the pictures that she posted, and they were all taken from the super high, like, MySpace angle. Yeah. You remember those? I remember those. And I also remember... It was like a personality trait to be like, I'm awkward. Oh, yeah. Awkward and kooky and crazy. So awkward. So she was doing the heavy eyeliner, the blood red lipstick, mascara running down her face and not like in the in the way that you've been crying, but just kind of like the look. Yeah. Jasmine talked to a lot of older guys on these sites, but none of the guys really stuck. That is until she met Jeremy Allen Stanky. Jeremy was born on January 15th, 1983 in Alberta, Canada. Did I say that weird? A little bit. What? A belter. A belter. <laughs> oh God. You know how actors will do like red leather, yellow leather, like I practices? think I need to do that. I think we need to do like practices before because sometimes when you don't talk all day, which like I didn't really talk all day today, mm-hmm. it just it, like it doesn't come out right. It's not. Reading is harder than just speaking out of your oh, butt. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then when you're trying to do both out of your butt. Yeah. Just like I was going to say speaking out of your ass, but I was like, you know what? No swearing on this thing. <laughs> No, let's just talk about gory, horrific crime. But not say ass. No swearing. (laughs) All right, sorry. This is PG. So he's from Alberta. He's from Alberta, Canada, and he is a Capricorn. He was 23 years old when they first met at a punk rock concert, and apparently it was love at first sight. Jasmine was very intrigued by his appearance and goth lifestyle. He wore this vial of blood around his neck, which is very Angelina Jolie, Billy Bob Thornton of him. Mm Mm-hmm. He referred to himself as soul eater and regularly threatened the people around him that they better behave or he might eat them. (laughs) I have a hard time taking this seriously. (laughs) That might be like a new threat of mine. You better behave. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat you. (laughs) Coming from you, that's incredible. Jeremy also believed that he was a 300-year-old reincarnated werewolf. So while that might deter you and I, that made him extremely desirable to the younger goth girls around him. Did it, it? Yes. And I said might because I didn't know what you were like as a youth. No, I, on, I'm on kidding. <laughs> a little controversy. Yeah. No, I, I would not have been into that. To a werewolf? No. But it did sound like all of the girls genuinely believed him when he said that he was a 300-year-old werewolf. Like, they totally bought it. Of course they did. One of his blog posts read... We must meet in the cemetery one hour before the full moon is at its fullest to speak of a tragedy within the coven. Those who have not overcome the mindless rage need not attend. So that's kind of just his overall vibe in a nutshell. I don't even follow. I don't. I was going to say, I don't understand what any of that meant, but yeah. we weren't, we're not vampires or yeah. werewolves. So oh, werewolves. We, we, <laughs> we're no I'm werewolves. not drunk. I just want to make that very clear to everybody. Yeah. On his vampirefreaks.com profile, he listed his interests as scarification, pain, kinky fetishes, blood, and razor blades. Jeremy was very popular in the goth community. 
and Jasmine seemed so flattered that the it guy was interested in her. Things got hot and heavy real fast. Their intense romance started out with long talks on the phone and writing dark poetry to each other. And eventually Jasmine started to sneak out of her house to visit him at the trailer where he lived with his mother. How old is he? Okay, so she's 12 at this point and he is 23. <gasps> I totally yes. missed that. I thought he was yes. just like a year or two older. No, he is literally 23. And I guess that he, because she would sometimes go um, on these profiles and pretend to be 15, which is still illegal yeah but he was known for dating 11 and 12 year olds so this wasn't like his first time doing this this wasn't a whoopsie <laughs> and there's no way around it I and mean, this is not an excuse at all but jeremy had a horrific upbringing he was severely abused and bullied his entire life from the time that he was a toddler his biological father came home drunk every single day and beat him he would drag him to his room by his ears and whip him his mother was an alcoholic and consistently brought home abusive men. Jeremy said that his first stepfather would take turns tying up the children, making them watch as he abused them one at a time. His third stepfather would beat Jeremy's mom, and when Jeremy tried to defend her, the stepfather grabbed him by the throat, punching him in the back of the head and face. So not only had this guy suffered from multiple head traumas due to violence, he is regularly witnessing violence being done to his step-siblings and his mother, while also being beaten and teased almost daily at school. Because of his last name. Yeah, I know. And just, he probably, I, I heard that he wasn't really showering. And, you know, oh, when yeah. you're like the smelly kid at school, it's yeah. like you immediately have a target on your back. Yeah. And then his last name is Stanky. So yeah. by the age of 13, he was diagnosed with depression, hyperactivity. A psychiatrist also stated that he had fetal alcohol syndrome. It is very possible that Jeremy was stunted and had the mental capacity of the young kids that he was choosing to surround himself with as an adult. No excuse, no, but, but it's, it's an explanation of. It's easier to understand the, the how it happened. Yeah. By 15, he was an alcoholic and started cutting himself. Soon after, he started doing cocaine, shrooms, acid, ecstasy, all of the things that you shouldn't do as a young and growing teen. The substance abuse continued throughout his teen years and into his 20s. So with this, on top of being 23 and unemployed, Jasmine's parents were not happy about this new relationship. Her parents were very understanding about her new look, and even when Jasmine's school would call and complain about her short skirts and fishnets, they were like, hey, she's not hurting anyone, she's just expressing herself. So Mark and Deborah were by no means controlling, they just saw the red flags and did what any responsible parent would do. They forbid Jasmine from seeing Jeremy, and as a result, she decided that her parents were ruining her life. I want to make it very clear that her parents never abused her. They did nothing but love her and accept her for her ever-changing moods and life stages and teenage angst. They simply wanted to protect their 12-year-old daughter from having sex with a 23-year-old man that thought he was a werewolf. But to Jasmine, this was reason enough to murder her parents. Jasmine defied her parents' demands and continued to hang out and contact him secretly. Every time she saw Jeremy, she talked about how much she hated her parents and has, and as long as they're alive, they can't be together. The messages found on their online accounts made it very clear that Jasmine was the one to come up with the plan to murder her family. The media painted Jeremy as the bad influence, but Jasmine is the one that instigated the plan. One message read, I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. To which Jeremy replied, Well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with the details and stuff. 
Jasmine was pretty vocal about her plan to murder her parents, but whenever her friends would hear her talk about it, they'd assume she was just messing around. Three days before the murders took place, Jeremy wrote this on one of his profiles. Their throats I want to slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially when I see it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. So while this might seem like a direct threat to you and I, this was like kind of glossed over on vampirefreaks.com. There was a lot of theatrics that were happening on those sites. Yeah, I would assume. So it didn't raise any red flags for anybody on the community boards. And it's not very specific, right? Yeah, it's just about, yeah, exactly. On April 22nd, the couple watched their favorite movie, Natural Born Killers, so that they could rile themselves up before going through with their plan. The movie is about two victims of traumatized childhoods becoming lovers and psychopathic serial killers. In the movie, the couple murders the woman's family before they go on a murder spree across America. Jasmine and Jeremy thought it was an incredible love story and something to idolize. After they finished watching the movie, they decided it was time to murder Jasmine's family. Jeremy drank an entire case of beer, took a few shots of vodka, drank a few glasses of wine, did several lines of cocaine, and took an ecstasy pill before getting in the car. He stated that he was off like a rocket. That would kill me. It would kill anyone. One of Jeremy's friends, Casey Lancaster, drove the couple to the Richardson family home in her truck. Jeremy looked absolutely terrifying, dressed in a neoprene face mask, a neck bandana, eyeliner, leather wristbands, and a black fishnet arm stocking. He broke in through the basement with two knives in hand while the family was asleep inside. Deborah heard a weird noise coming from the basement, so she went down the stairs to investigate. Without saying a word, Jeremy immediately started stabbing her. Her screams echoed through the house and woke up her husband. Mark came running down the stairs with a screwdriver to defend his wife. Jeremy claimed that he was scared shitless of Mark, and when he tried to back away, he tripped and fell. Mark jumped on top of him and tried stabbing Jeremy in the chest. He dropped the screwdriver and grabbed Jeremy's face so that he could shove his thumbs into his eyes. Jeremy was able to overpower Mark and then stabbed him repeatedly. When Mark repeatedly asked him why he was doing this, Jeremy replied, it's what your daughter wanted. Mark had been stabbed two dozen times. And this is a trigger warning because it involves Jasmine's younger brother. So fast forward 15 seconds if you don't feel comfortable hearing this. Eight-year-old Tyler could hear the screaming and commotion downstairs while he was in his bed. He had put his toy lightsaber across his chest for protection. This is where Jasmine found him. At first, she tried suffocating him with a pillow, but she was not successful. She stabbed him four times before Jeremy cut his throat. Jasmine claimed that the only reason she killed her beloved little brother was because she thought that it would be cruel to leave him without his parents. After murdering her entire family, Jeremy went home and Jasmine took a cab to 7-Eleven. Two hours later, she walked to Jeremy's trailer. Two hours after the murders were committed, Jeremy and Jasmine were seen kissing and laughing at a restaurant. They showed absolutely no remorse, and anyone that saw the couple interact would have never guessed what they had just done hours before. The next day on April 23rd, the bodies were discovered. One of Tyler's friends in the neighborhood ran over to the Richardson house so that they could have a play date. 
Oh, no. Shortly after leaving, the six-year-old boy ran back home and told his mother that no one was answering the door and that when he looked through the window, he saw a body. His mother immediately called the police. Detective Brett Sikondiak arrived at the Richardson house and saw that there was, in fact, a body. Upon entering the home, it was decided that Deborah must have been killed first. She had been stabbed a total of 12 times. Mark's body was found in the basement. Detectives could see that he had tried fighting back with a screwdriver. After searching upstairs, they found Tyler in his bedroom. Police determined that Jasmine was not in the house, so an Amber Alert was issued. Seeing as she was just 12 years old and her entire family was found dead, they thought that she must have been taken and was in serious danger. Detective Brent Sikondiak stated, I truly believed that this person was missing and possibly abducted. It wasn't even in the realm of possibility that she was an accused. After going through the extensive and detailed messages found online, the police very confidently determined that Jeremy and Jasmine were responsible. The next day, the couple was arrested. They didn't show any remorse, quite the opposite really. They were found kissing, cuddling, and laughing. They bragged about the murders and called themselves legends. They believed that the massacre made them immortal. Jasmine later said, that's our five minutes of fame. Immortality means people will remember you. Ugh, now I hate that we're covering this case. Oh, Sorry. Me too, man. <laughs> Me too, after looking at it like that. Well, we're in it. So but just I know, it. I know, I gotta finish my story. Sorry, guys. According to Murderpedia, an undercover cop that was disguised as a prisoner had recorded a conversation he had with Jeremy while they were being transported to a jail in Calgary. In the recording, Jeremy said to the undercover cop, you hear about that triple homicide? Yeah, you're looking at him. Me and my old lady have become legends. He stated that it was Jasmine that had killed her brother. He said it didn't bother her at all. She didn't cry or anything. In fact, the next day when we were on the road, she was laughing about it. She's got a few screws loose too. Jeremy and Jasmine continued to write each other even after the arrest. One of the letters from Jeremy read, Dear Jack's ex. Jack's ex? I don't know. It's like these emo kids. I don't know. They're doing, they do weird nicknames. <laughs> I love you more than life itself. I've added you to my visitors list. So once you're released, please visit after. Never forget how much I care or that I love you. We can keep visiting each other till we can be together again. Without you, this life isn't worth living. Kisses. The thought of being with you is all that is helping me stay somewhat sane. We shall be together once again, I promise. Stay true to your promises and I shall to mine. I wish I could hold you right now. Stay strong and continue to write me, please. I need you. I love you. I miss you. Kisses. XOXO, your lover, Jeremy. P.S. You said you wanted to get married. Then here's a cue. Will you marry me? If so, then it is a verbal agreement. That, no, no, that's not. <sighs> it's not how anything works. Jasmine's trial started in June of 2007. She pled not guilty to three counts of first-degree murder. Jasmine said when she talked about killing her parents, she was joking, and she didn't think Jeremy would take her seriously. The jury saw right through her bullshit, and she was found guilty on all three counts of murder. In November of 2007, she was sentenced to just 10 years in prison. Her sentence was incredibly short due to the Youth Criminal Justice Act. The act states that any convicts who were under the age of 14 at the time that they committed the act 
cannot be charged as adults and can be given a maximum sentence of 10 years. She is the youngest person convicted of triple homicide in Canadian history. During the trial, Jasmine was asked why she did it. She said, I loved him so much. I thought it would bring us closer together. Jasmine was released in 2011 under conditional supervision. And as of 2016, she is free to roam wherever she pleases. As of 2020, the murders have been removed from her criminal record. (gasps) Whoa. It's slate wiped clean. In December of 2008, Jasmine Richardson's boyfriend and accomplice, Jeremy Stanky, was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder and sentenced to three life sentences in prison. He will be eligible for parole after serving 25 years. When asked why he had murdered Jasmine's family, he said, When you find your soulmate, you do anything for them. I did anything. He has since changed his name to Jeremy May, and he will be able to apply for parole in 2033. Detective Sekondiak stated, At one point, I wanted her locked up forever. I don't think I'm there now. I hope she moves on and becomes a productive member of society. I don't think she's truly evil. I've met some of those people that are bad to the bone, and she's not one of them. She is now 29 years old, and I was very curious about whether or not she is still in contact with Jeremy, but there was no information that I could find about that if they're in still communication. And that is the story of Jasmine Richardson and Jeremy Stanky. Uh, it's kind of weird that we started Monday with Mary Bell, an 11-year-old that committed murders and yes. then walked free for the rest of her life and lives under a new name. And then you're ending on with Friday. The 12-year-old with that a 12-year-old that murdered <laughs> and then this. walks free. Walks free and she's just living amongst us under a different name. Yeah. And just because of the Youth Criminal Act, she's able to do so. And then everything is just her sleigh is wiped clean. Man, I feel like I could talk about how I feel about that for hours, but that's it's such a complicated topic. And I know we already talked a lot about that on Monday, but it's a very different situation because she was not abused. She did not have the upbringing that Mary Bell had. Yeah. And of course, murder is murder. It's unacceptable. It's horrifying. Yeah. But she had the most loving, understanding parents. She was she lived in an atmosphere where she could be exactly who she wanted to be. Yeah. And all they asked of her was, you know, just don't do drugs and have sex with this 23-year-old. Yeah. And that was unacceptable to her. And she showed no remorse. And I couldn't find anywhere later on in life that she showed any remorse. Yeah. So someone like that is incredibly dangerous to have on the streets. Yeah, it's She's really young. scary because you don't know who are you as an adult then. How do you, what kind of person are you? Because- I mean, we've never done anything. We never did anything like that as kids. So then. No. Well, you go into jail at 12 and then you're in the criminal system. You're in jail. That's by no means an atmosphere to be, you know, forming into your best self. A lot of people come out changed. I I do understand that. But. But it's typically adults. It is. Who went in and then they change as adults. It's not. As kids. Yeah. That's bad. I find it really interesting to cover cases of just teenagers or even, I mean, in her case, middle schoolers. Mm -hmm committing acts that cause irreparable damage Yeah, out of the name of like youth and just not understanding the way that the world works. Mm -hmm. So I find them unfortunately fascinating and I hate that I gave her attention (laughs) halfway through. Well, yeah. So between Monday's episode and Friday's today's episode, are you like definitively not going to have kids? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's a smart thing, especially because these two were phenomenal, you (laughs) know, so I could be my best self and still wind up with a Jasmine. (laughs) Yeah. 
So um, on that note, yeah, well, it's the weekend, baby. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your weekend, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, girl. I need some wine. All right, love, love you. you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. To view detailed source material, as well as content from today, please visit us on Instagram and TikTok at Shorty's Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help with the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Shorty's Podcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Anna Katharina.